Okay, I'm really excited to be here, and I'm also, actually, believe it or not, a little nervous. Um, yeah, and uh, so I'm just going to pray, and, and then we'll jump in. God, I'm, I'm thankful for tonight. God, I'm thankful for who you are. And God, even though sometimes in my heart and in my mind you feel and seem really, really small, and unconcerned about the details of my life, that that is not who you are. I'm so grateful that you're God and that you do all things well and that you know what you're doing. And God, I'm, I'm thankful that you're big enough for our questions and our anger and our confusion. God, you're big enough for the things that we have tucked away in the deepest places of our hearts. And God, I'm thankful that you're a God who loves to speak to your children. You love to tell us the truth. And you do it in incredibly kind and loving ways. So God, we invite you in this space and in this place tonight to speak. That you would be the one to speak. God, that you would engrave your word on our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I'm excited to be here on Wednesday nights with you guys. And as I was praying and, and thinking about Wednesday nights and um, just getting to hang with you guys, here's my hope and prayer. It's 2 Peter 3. In 2 Peter 3, Peter's talking to his friends and he's talking about what the last day of Jesus is going to be like. And how one day to us is like a thousand years to the Lord. And if you spend just a minute trying to think about that, it'll like blow your brain cells because it's like you can't even comprehend that you know and at the end of second peter 3 peter sums it up beautifully in verse 18 and this is my hope and prayer for us on wednesday nights it says this but grow in the grace and knowledge of our lord and savior jesus christ to him be glory both now and forever amen so we're going to journey through scripture together on wednesday nights and we're going to spend time in worship man i love worship i was kind of sad tonight it only lasted like five minutes because I could do that for, for all day long. And we're going to spend time discussing in small groups with one goal. It's to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Because without him, everything is meaningless. Life is meaningless. Your life has no purpose or, or value outside of Jesus Christ. And so that's my hope and prayer for us. And, and I'm in it with you. And, and I want to grow and I want to learn and I want to understand. And so... Um, we're going to do that, and, and we're going to spend the next several weeks digging into the concept of hope and what that means and what it looks like in our everyday lives. And honestly, maybe you're like me tonight. I've got a pretty sick heart. Proverbs thirteen twelve says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Deferred meaning waiting. Waiting for hope can leave your heart feeling sick. So either we've got one of two problems here. If, we, if you have, okay, everyone close your eyes. We're just going to be comfortable together, okay? Close your eyes. If you think that your heart, if you recognize that your heart is sick in some small way because you feel hopeless about some part of your life, just raise your hand real quick. Okay, fantastic. I'm not the only one. Thank you. My pits will stop sweating now. Okay, you can open your eyes. So if you're like me and your heart is a little bit sick because you lack hope in maybe a certain area or overall, then we have one of two problems. 
Problem number one is, is that God is slow in keeping his promises and he's lied to us. And if that's the case, we've got the biggest lawsuit on our hands, right? Can you see the Judge Judy show now? Like that was a thing back in the day for me. Maybe not anymore, but like Tara Davis versus God. <laughs> you know, like I would maybe sue for a lifetime of perfect sunrises, but like at 1030 a.m. Skip the 7 a.m. stuff, you know? Yeah. So either God is a liar and he's slow in keeping his promises or maybe we've misplaced our hope. Maybe our hope isn't in the right thing. I remember one of the first times that my hopes were crushed. It was junior high, and junior high is so awkward, and every middle schooler in here said amen. <laughs> and so I had just, um, I, I was really into basketball when I was a kid, played all the time. And um, so long story short, I'd gone to state, I did really well. And I was going to be like the first female player in the NBA, right? Like this was way before the WNBA. Michael Jordan was my hero. I mean, I played basketball every single night after I did my chores and after I did my homework. And so I was at this kid's birthday party, and they had a trampoline, and I fell. So in a period of two years, I dislocated both my hips, and I had three surgeries, and I couldn't walk for two years. And uh, basically, the ball in my hip socket came out of place, and um, they just went in and put pins in. They didn't even put it back in place. And after my third surgery, they said, Tara, good luck. You'll never be active again. It's like, fantastic. I'm so glad that I just paid you thousands of dollars for you to tell me that, right? Like, nobody wants to hear those words, especially in junior high. And I was like, whatever, I'm going to prove this doctor wrong. And so it came time for basketball tryouts. It's my eighth grade year, right? So by eighth grade year, surely you figured some things out and found your niche. And so it was all week long, Monday through Friday. And, man, I busted my tail. I sprinted. I ran. I did all the drills. And I worked really hard. And I was convinced that I was right back on track to my dream of becoming this, like, all-star basketball player. And here was the deal. At the end of that last practice, they printed out a sheet with people who made, made Team A and people who made Team B. And they said, if your name is, isn't on the list, come talk to us afterwards. We want to talk to you. And I'll never forget that day. We went and everyone was sweaty and crowding in, excitement. And I read the list. And my name wasn't there. I said, okay, Terry, you just read too fast. Go back and read the list again. And I read the list again. And my name wasn't there. And it was the longest walk of shame of my life to walk from my coach's office all the way back to the gym. And you know when you're trying to hold back tears and your lip is quivering, you got like the lump in your throat, right? And you're like, think angry thoughts, don't break down. At least that's what I tell myself. Think angry thoughts, we talk. And so I went and I stood in front of my coach and I said, hey, coach. And coach said, Tara, I'm sorry, you just don't have what it takes. So in a matter of two years, I went from being third and state to I just don't have what it takes. And my hopes were crushed because my hope was in a set of changed circumstances, not in an unchanging God. You've been there before, I'm sure. God, please save my family. God, fix my mom, heal my dad, whatever it is. Like whatever the thing is that you've prayed for and you're banking on that. And then what happens when God doesn't answer that prayer, how you hope he does. Is God a jerk? Is he a liar? Is he slow in keeping his promises? Or is our hope placed in the wrong thing? See, there's a difference between placing your hope in changing circumstances and a difference between placing your hope in an unchanging God who is with us in all things. That's the difference. 
That's the difference. Misplaced hope will always misalign our hearts and set us at odds against God. Misplaced hope will always misalign our hearts and set us at odds against God. So what is hope? Hope is to cherish a desire with anticipation, to want something to happen or to be true. Man, I wanted to make that basketball team. I I, I wanted it more than anyone on that court, I guarantee you. Trust, to desire with expectation of obtainment or fulfillment. To hope. I hope God saves my family. Well, what happens when that doesn't happen? Is God a jerk? I mean, we can get into a a discussion about the sovereignty of God and God allows things to happen, right? Because technically God is big enough. He's omnipotent, which is a really big word that means all-powerful. And he's omniscient, which is another word that means God knows everything. So the fact that God allows certain things to happen, he could intervene, right? He doesn't lack the power. So why doesn't he? Or does he? At what point does free will play into this? Was it God's desire for Adam and Eve to eat from the tree in the middle of the garden? No, but they did. So is that Adam and Eve's fault that sin entered the world, or is it God's fault? Right? There's this tension there. And the same thing happens with hope. When we long for something, we yearn for something to be different. And if you're not careful, you're going to put your hope not in the unchanging God, but in changing circumstances. And when the circumstances don't change, you're going to be crushed. And your heart is going to get off center. And when your heart gets off center, then you're automatically at odds with God. Right? Like, man, I'm mad at God. God's a punk. Hope. So why do we need hope? Why do we need hope? Every 100 minutes, a teen takes their own life. Suicide is the third leading cause of death for young people ages 15 to 24. About 20% of all teens experience depression before they reach adulthood. 10% of teenagers and 40% of adults struggle with anxiety. Each year, one in five females and one in seven males engage in self-harm behaviors. 90% of individuals who engage in self-harm begin during their teen or pre-adolescent years. 90% of those who have eating disorders are women between the ages of 12 and 25. Does that sound hopeless to you? Sounds hopeless to me. Those are all things of the heart that paint to a bigger picture of I'm dying for some hope. I've got to know there's something worth fighting for. And you know what? These statistics don't just apply to non-saved people. They apply to Christians. Now hear me. There is no shame in that. I fit on this list too. Okay? There's no judgment or shame or condemnation. We're in this thing together. But why do we need hope? Because the world sucks. And sin hurts, and families are broken, and bad things happen, and and it's just like we've got to have something tangible to hang on to, because if we don't, we're not going to make it. Among 12th graders, these are statistics from last year. They don't have them for this year. 
But in 2017, among 12th graders, the drugs that were most reported for lifetime use were alcohol, 61.5%. Over half participating in underage drinking. Marijuana, 45%. Any illicit drug other than marijuana, 19.5%. Any prescription drugs, 16.5%. And the list goes on. Eighth graders, 2017, alcohol, 23.1%. Marijuana, 13.5%. And the list goes on. Does that sound hopeless? Sounds hopeless to me. Why are we looking for an escape? Because we've got to have something tangible to hang on to, right? When life sucks, when things are hard, when your prayers aren't getting answered, when you have no clue if God is for you or against you, when you're not really even sure if God's word is true, and you can't make sense of the broken pieces of your life, if you don't have something to hang on to, you're not going to make it. You know how I know that? Because I'm right there with you. I'm a lot older than you. But you've got to have something to hang on to. And if you put your hope in circumstances changing, you will be crushed and disappointed every time. There are going to be prayers that you pray, and they won't seem like they get answered. There are going to be questions that you have that you will never have an answer to. And if you don't have something tangible like hope to hang on to, you're not going to make it. Scripture is filled. I chose 10 tonight. We're going to start in Hebrews 4, 16. Scripture is chock full of verses about life being difficult. It says this. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. To help in time of need. We're going to flip over to Psalm 86.1. Psalm 86.1. Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Psalm 79.8. Do not remember us, do not remember against us, our former iniquities, let your compassion come speedily to meet us, for we are brought very low. Sound like someone that's struggling? It's down in the dumps a little bit. That was David who wrote that. The same David who conquered Goliath. Lived one of the most epic storylines there ever were. And David wrote that. Saying, God, I'm low. And I need you to draw near. Psalm 16.1. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. That was verse 2 included. Bonus. Hopping over to 2 Samuel 22, 17 through 20. He sent from on high. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. He rescued me from my strong enemy, from those who hated me, for they were too mighty for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a broad place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. Psalm 32, 7. You are a hiding place for me. 
You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. Psalm 34, 4. I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and he delivered me from all my fears. Psalm 91, 14 through 15. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. Psalm 143, verse 9. Deliver me from my enemies, O Lord. I have fled to you for refuge. In 1 Peter 4, 12. No, just kidding. 1 Peter. Hmm, maybe it's 2, 12. Maybe it's 4, 12. Oh, 4, 12. Here we go. You ready? Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Translation, life is going to be hard and life is going to suck. Don't be surprised. Be on guard. This is why we need hope. In closing, here's the points. And and we're going to spend the next several weeks unpacking Romans 15, 13, which I didn't even read at the beginning. I'll read it at the end. But here's the point. Hope deferred makes your heart sick. The longer you wait for hope, the sicker your heart's going to be. And it is far better for you to not allow yourself to get to that place. Who is hope? Starts with a J, ends with an S. Jesus. There you go, Jesus, right? Jesus is our hope, right? So do we already have hope? Yes. Technically, yes. But sometimes it's hard for us to reach out and grab a hold of that, right? Because we're angry, or we're full of sin, or we're prideful, or we've got beef with God. Stepping on my own toes here. Fantastic. This is really fun tonight. (laughs) We already have hope, but sometimes we're blocked from that hope because of how we run to other things. Alcohol, sex, drugs, money. Social media, phones, whatever. Name your flavor. It will disappoint every single time. Hope deferred always makes your heart sick. <laughs> Number two, misplaced hope will always misalign our hearts and set us at odds against God. God will never stop loving you. He will never stop being your friend. He will never stop desiring a relationship with you. How long it takes you to work through your anger and your hostility and your frustration is entirely up to you. If you're stubborn like me, we'd like to take our time, right? Go every which way around it. And God's not surprised by that. He cares a lot about your heart. He cares a lot about your feelings. Did you know that every single tear that falls from your eye, God catches in the bottle? It's not because he's a creep. It's because he really cares. Like he really loves you. And I I think that's such a foreign concept to us that we're like, okay, creepy, moving on, keep going, please. But see, when you understand how much God the Father loves you, it changes everything. Instead of trying to hide your anger from him, you just let him have it, man. You just let him have it because he cares. Misplaced hope always misaligns our hearts and sets us at odds against God. And lastly, hope in God 
will never, ever disappoint. Hope in God will never, ever disappoint. Let's close by looking at Romans 15, 13. And then I'm going to pray and we're going to get into small groups. But this is the one verse that we're going to be unpacking in the next several weeks, okay? And so I want to encourage you guys, memorize this verse. Super short, super easy. Spend, read it every day. Just ask God to teach you um, what this means. But I, I've struggled with this concept of hope because I have felt very hopeless in this last season of my life for lots of different reasons. And so either God is a liar or I've gotten it wrong somewhere. And so I've been asking, like, trying to figure out, well, where is hope? What does it look like to have hope in my life? What does it mean to hold out for hope? Because for lots of years, my hope was in changed circumstances. So when my circumstances didn't change, I was disappointed. I was crushed. I was like, man, God, you're a liar. I've got a lawsuit, man. I'm about to sue the snot out of you. It was misplaced hope. And so because I placed my hope in the wrong thing or in the wrong person, my heart shifted, misaligned. When your tires get misaligned, it's really bad for your car. Like it jacks up your steering and other things that I don't really know about that I didn't research on Google today. So, But it's just bad for your car. It's going to affect the overall performance of your car. And so it's the same with our hearts. When our hearts are misaligned because we've placed our hope in a friend or a circumstance instead of placing our hope in the unchanging God, it shifts our heart. And when our hearts are shifted, we can't fully be who God has created us to be. That's the whole point. So it says this in Romans 15, 13, and then I'm going to pray and we're done. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Another translation says overflow with hope. That doesn't exactly describe my life, but I want it to. And that's what we're going to study. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. Definitely doesn't sound like my life on that joy and peace part. But we're working on it. In believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. So how do we abound in hope? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. But there's a very active part that you and I play in this. And this is what we're going to break down. So God, thank you for tonight. And God, thank you for your work. And God, I praise Romans 15, 13 over everyone in this room. God, may you, the God of hope, fill us with all joy and peace and believing. So that by the power of your Holy Spirit, we may abound in hope. God, give us wisdom this week about where we've misplaced our hope. God, show us. Shine a light on it. Give us courage to be still and let you work. In Jesus' name, amen.